Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 240. My name is Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games. Guess what I've been playing still? First Soldier. Uh, no real updates on First Soldier. They have been patching it, which has been helping with stability and stuff. That seems like really the biggest focus right now is just trying to not, like, like pr- prevent the game from crashing, basically. Um, so when it comes to content, there hasn't been a ton of changes outside of just some balancing stuff. Um, I'm still really enjoying the game, though. I'm trying out a lot of the different other classes. I've been playing Monk a lot recently um, and also messed around with Ninja a little bit, but I don't quite know what I want to do with Ninja yet. But it seems like I'm seeing a more diversity of classes online now, which is nice. For for a long time, Warrior and Sorcerer were kind of the two big ones, and I think it's because they have really great offensive capabilities, so they're very easy to use. So with, um, with the more recent updates that I think kind of adjusted Warrior a little bit, I'm not so- sure how much they adjusted Sorcerer. I think the problem with Sorcerer is it actually just is a little iffy on how well the realm will go due to the fact that you rely so much on what magic you find and how much of that magic you find. Because, like, say, for example, you pick up a fire materia, it's always level one as long as it's a a natural fire fire materia you find in the world. And then as you pick up additional fire materia, it levels that materia up and eventually can get up to level three kind of thing. So I think maybe that's part of why Sorcerer is not being played as much anymore is because in the early game, it's really hard to succeed with Sorcerer. It's very much a end game kind of class for for well end game you know a round essentially right so like a 30 to 40 minute game so that's mainly what i've been playing still um i did so for the very first time i bought a season pass <laughs> um the season pass was around like i think seven dollars or something like that or eight dollars um and i also had like some weird google play coupon that just auto applied when i purchased so i was like oh okay sure so I did go ahead and buy the season pass. The reason why, and I usually am not a season pass person, is in my mind, when I play free-to-play games, I think I keep a tally of how much I think a game is worth. And inevitably how that works out, and I think I talked about this last week too, inevitably how that works out is I will build an amount that I think a game is worth in my head. And then at the end or around the time I hit the cap of what I think that amount is, I will pay out that money, right? So Apex, I paid like the 30 or $40 that the pack was for the character pack. Like this 40 bucks feels like what what is worth my time or my money with Apex. Um, I think I gave like Crash Fever, like $15, things like that. So, so I think that's generally how I've approached uh, mobile games. The challenge being is that I spend that money at the end of me wanting to play that game. So I never utilize it. So I knew that the amount of money I wanted to spend on First Soldier was above the cost of the season pass. So I was like, okay, let me just go ahead and spend this amount of money so I can actually utilize the things that I purchase with real money, right? So the season pass, I will say, to me, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of stuff in there. It does make leveling feel more meaningful because you do get more stuff when you're leveling. But it just doesn't seem like something that I like nothing in the season pass feels like 
like some big thing to get. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's just not enough interesting things in there. It just feels like a lot of junk. And then occasionally you get like an outfit. And I don't even like most of the outfits, unfortunately. Um, the couple that I do want are pretty high level. And even then, like, I don't even like how they look that much. It's just like, these are the okay ones, basically. So the only one I really wanted in the earlier set of outfits was the, uh, I think it's like the cloud outfit, like the cloud the soldier version of Cloud, right? When he's in soldier. Um, and, but before he has just the arm plate, it is just, it's the one with like the belt buckle kind of thing going down it. Um, so it's actually looks just like the default outfit, just like some additional accessories to make it look like Cloud's version of it. So uh, I do like that outfit, but uh, I yeah, it looks pretty much just like the other outfit. And most of the design differences are on the front of the shirt, which in a third person shooter, you're mostly staring at the back of your head, right? So anyways, that was the first time I bought one of those. And I'm I'm going to see if maybe this is a better way to approach spending money on these free to play games so I can actually utilize the resources I buy rather than just buy, put money into it, pull a bunch and then quit the game basically or something like that, right? So yeah. Uh, so that's mainly what I've been playing this week. Um, and uh, I also, I don't remember if I talked about it last week at all, but I also played, uh, uh, we started streaming Parasite Eve. And I really, I'm going to talk about two different things here with Parasite Eve. One, my actual feelings about Parasite Eve, which if you watched the last stream, the second stream, I, you generally kind of know how I feel. And then I also want to talk about <laughs> like how I deal with those feelings to some degree, I guess. So, so if you don't know, I think Parasite Eve is a great looking game. It sounds great. The presentation's great. I think like from a Square Enix game, story can always be kind of weird in the Square Enix game. Just, I don't know what it is, but it's just that kind of style of storytelling they do. Right. And I feel like Parasite Eve does a really good job of like stepping into that kind of screen style of storytelling with kind of like these fantastical situations, but it does do a really good job of keeping it grounded in a way where it's like both fantastical and fantasy, but also it's like really connected to this, I guess in the case of Parasite Eve, this kind of scientific concept that, you know, is maybe not realistic, but the, the pieces they, they stitch together are stitched in a way that you can kind of suspend your disbelief for the game. And I really like that part of the game. Game. I like I like most of the characters in the game. I like the like pretty much everything about the game. I think is anywhere between good and great. But the core problem I'm running into is I just don't like the combat system, and I I don't know what I was really expecting coming in. I knew that it was like a gun game, and I knew the first one I think is more like a a actual true RPG, and then the second game I think it plays more like a survival horror game with RPG elements more than anything. And what I'm finding with the gameplay is two different things. Um, one is the pacing is really slow. There, there is the, the part that uh, Aya just moves really slow in general. And I'm having a really hard time um, also kind of keeping track of where I am in the world. The keeping track part might be due to me streaming the game. But Aya takes a very long time to move across the screen. Um, it's not so bad when you're in like a tight corridor, but when you are out in like, like the park area and walking around there, it feels like it takes forever to get somewhere. Or if it's like a really long hallway, you have to write down, run down 
Aya just moves like what feels like half speed of like a Resident Evil character. It's been a very long time since I played Resident Evil, so that could be me misremembering, but it just feels very slow. But then there's also the combat aspect. And then when you get into combat, you know, in a true RPG form, you have kind of the the screen that does the fade and then you get an encounter and it doesn't load a new area. You are fighting in the actual area that that you got an encounter in. Um, and so essentially you, uh, you know, have this kind of real tight combat system. It's kind of like Quest 64 where you can move and dodge enemy attacks, but then you like shoot enemies. And I was thinking at one point that I was like, like you could scan the enemy weaknesses and things like that. And I was thinking at one point that I was like, maybe um, this would get a bit more complicated in a way um, where it's like, okay, heat damage is good for this. And then like, you know, there might be some like, I don't know, other elemental damage things. And I'm finding that that's just kind of not there. The main part of the combat is really just kind of running around an enemy and just like spamming the X button, which I will say, when it comes to quest 64 that game you know is very spammy as well Uh, but there's like a variety of spells so at least i feel like there's like a variety of spells that do very different things so i feel like even though if in quest 64 you spend the entire game probably doing avalanche if you're smart right (laughs) i feel like there's just more variety in that gameplay with that where with parasite eve i feel like it's pretty much just run and press x and you can modify your guns to get different abilities and skills on them yet it just doesn't really change how you interact with the combat system. There's reasons to change weapons, but they're very slight. And also changing weapons is very cumbersome. Um, you have to go into a menu and then when you change your weapon, it like resets your ATB depending on how long, you know, how heavy your weapon is that take that re- uh, restarts the ATB timer essentially. So you have to wait to recharge. So you do lose a turn changing weapons. And I feel like I just want more flexibility in the combat and I want more variety in weapons um, and more reasons to use those different weapons, um, for, for different things. And whether or not they actually aim to do that with that combat system is a whole other thing, but that's, I think that is what that game feels like it's lacking for me. And, and I think it's really like, I wouldn't say it's like killing my mood with that game, but I think it is really dragging down the rest of the game because I do like everything else, but anytime I have to like actually play the game, I'm just like, eh sure i'll play this video like it's fine it's not bad it's just like fine and and like there's nothing special about it per se the gun concept is special right the 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 modifying guns to get different gun types for for that era of you know game and when there were so few jrpgs that people were exposed to at the time in the west i think that makes a ton of sense why people would would really latch onto that in general right um but I just, I think it maybe it just more of it's more of those things where in today's context, maybe it's not a big deal. Like, I feel like the, like, for example, I feel like the importance of Earthbound has like slowly been chipped away after all these games basically try to make Earthbound like experiences. And now you have a lot of games that do that kind of Earthbound feeling in a game. Uh, again, specifically focusing on the kind of the Western perspective of gaming, right? There's other games in Japan that didn't get localized or maybe were more popular there, things like that. So I feel like that might play a role into it, but it's not a bad game. And I think this kind of comes down to a problem I have on stream where I get really, I don't know how to put it. I, <laughs> I have to be honest about my feelings on stream. 
that is what I try very, very hard to do. And thankfully, it comes naturally to me for better or for worse. Like, I will say what I'm going to say about a game. And I do not like, um, I would much rather say that than like try to appease anybody specifically, right? Um, but I think it runs into issues where I don't feel, I know I feel this way about a game. But I don't feel confident in how I'm saying it. So it makes me feel like I'm a jerk on stream, especially when it's a game that people like, right? And I sit there and I'm like, I <laughs> like, I do not like this part of Parasite Eve. And I know this is like a game that's kind of beloved. And, you know, outside of the people who are on the stream and chatting there, and I think most people who come to the stream, like, understand that and 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 respect that. I do, like, worry for, like, other people who may not be as... Um, familiar with what I, how I talk about games and stuff that it might come off as me being really aggressive about a game in a way that I don't need to be aggressive, but it's just like this particular element of Parasite Eve is just like what, what's really killing it. And I understand that it is like totally fine in how it plays, but it's just like, I, I, I feel like there's just something missing there. There's like a special level that's like missing there. And and like i feel i feel almost bad uh when it's a game that people like um and so i also kind of feel that way with super metroid a little bit where like i think super metroid's a fascinating game to look at i don't think super metroid's a good game um or maybe i should say i don't think it's a great game it might be good i might consider it good but i don't think it's a great game um and so like i'm like always like like this last year, I've been like, yeah, Super Metroid, that's kind of a neat game. Like, I like thinking about Super Metroid and, and like, how it moves and everything. <laughs> but if somebody were to come and ask me, is Super Metroid a good game? I would really hesitate to say that. <laughs> and, like, I know that's a game that's, like, beloved by people. So, like, I always am like, oh, man, I hate to say this, but... I don't think it's a good game, but also, yeah. So I'm glad that I at least like, even if I do feel a little guilty about that stuff, I, I at least from what my perspective tells me, like I don't let that get in the way of how I criticize a game, I will say. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll always say, if you do like have anything where you're like, hey, like Ben, you're, you're missing this from this game kind of thing. Always, always tell me. I'm always interested in hearing that stuff. And I may, you know, I may, you know, not necessarily agree with you at that point in time. But it does give me a better understanding of why people like certain games. And and it, it, it better equips me to kind of piece together exactly, you know, what people enjoy about games. And I think that's kind of what happened with Nier Automata is that eventually I got enough little pieces. It took a long time with Nier Automata. But I got enough little pieces with Nier Automata that like... I was able to put the picture in my head of what other people saw of that game. And once that like formed properly, then I was like, okay, this thing over there, I don't want anything to do with it, but I understand it's beautiful. I love, I love that you love it. Your love for it is beautiful. I don't think it's beautiful, but your love for it is beautiful. And I respect that. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just always one of those things that like, I feel like I'm always walking on a tightrope when it comes to those more popular games. And I don't want to like come off as like a negative jerk just to be negative. Right. Um, but I also don't want to like smother my feelings um, in, in other ways. So anyways, it's one of those things that I don't really need to think about. It's probably being very, very self-conscious. But um, but yeah. So in, in actually talking a little bit about like that, that idea of, you know, making sure you're being as honest as possible. One thing that I, I meant to talk about last week, but I actually forgot. And then I need to follow up with this week. Um, 
So there was a news story that I would have covered over the Christmas break, but I didn't do it. So full disclosure of why we'll be coming up in here. So there is a, um, a, I forget what her name, what is her name? I think PC Engine works or something. They make like uh, repro um, PC Engine games and stuff. They're they're really fancy look like they're nice looking packages. I haven't seen like a physical one before, but like the actual pictures he has on the website uh, or they have. I don't know their gender. Um, it, 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 they look really nice. They look really well made. So um, uh, this this group or person uh, announced that they are doing a PCFX uh, collection of games, including like Chip Chan Kick, uh, Chojin Heki Zeroigar. And uh, I think Kishin Doji Zenki, uh, I think those are kind of the big three in there. I don't remember if there's anything else that they 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 lined up in there normally, um, which is cool. And as somebody who like like I don't get the impression that anybody at like Konami cares about what happens with Kishin Doji Zenki at this point. Like, and they have a legal team to deal with it if they want to. Right? They can go after them if they want to. I don't think Konami cares. So like. I don't really care about that part of it. However, there's a kind of a weird little bit with it. And this is kind of where the conflict of interest comes into play, where they also include a fan translation of Welcome to Pia Carrot. And um, or they include Welcome to Pia Carrot with the fan translation. And it's kind of weird because it's in there as like an afterthought. It's like a disc with like a sleeve rather than like an actual case. Everything else looks really well produced. And this is just like a disc and a sleeve. <laughs> it's like, okay. So it seems like something that they probably should not have like even, or was very last minute. Um, but if you don't know, um, uh, the guest that we've had beforehand, um, Filler, uh, he is the one who worked on that Pia Carrot translation. And I reached out to him to see if if this this guy um I forget his name the other guy um who who's who I talked to um he if he had permission to use the fan translation um and he does not uh as far as far as filler had told me um there are there is another person involved in the whole um fan translation thing but uh, I don't really know too many details about them so I'll just kind of leave that off this plate um but, you know, it, it is essentially, for all intents and purposes, this guy is, you know, for forever, however you feel about it, he's taking filler's work and then selling it, right, is what's happening. And, um, you know, who knows what the profit margins is. Maybe he's making it completely flat. Maybe he's making money off it. I don't really know. Um, but, you know, it, it is essentially taking that. And I think for me, there's a difference between like an individual versus a company or something like that, Right. Um, and so like, uh, filler is an individual kind of thing. And so I ended up not covering it because I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And like, I kind of didn't want to like talk about peace, like their thing. And then people like be interested in it and go and, and buy it. Um, but after I thought about it long enough, I was like, well, the fact that I'm like not covering this because the individual involved, um, probably is like something that like I, I should at least disclose. Right. Um, and and if you don't know on my website, I have like a bottom list of disclosures and those are all company related disclosures. So I don't do individuals um, on there. And I made me think maybe I need to have individuals, but that's such a hard thing to manage. Right. Like you just kind of naturally start talking to people and like as you work on stuff, especially when you're partnering up on projects and you don't know what you're going to be involved with and how that's going to, you know, end up messing with things. So it's um. It, it's definitely something that I ended up, uh, you know, essentially not covering because I didn't want to because of that. So 
anyways, one thing I did do though, and so I just wanted to you know be be honest about that. Um, and I felt like it was important to talk about it after I thought long enough about it. It's always important to know. Like I know people are always like video game journalists and being objective and all that stuff. You know, and 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 as somebody who went to school for journalism, like I totally agree. You should try to be like as centered as possible on this stuff uh, when you're in this role, or at least you know, uh, there's ways to be responsible about it, right? Um, and just with companies, it's easy. I feel like because like okay, company published this. Let me say this, right? Uh, I previously had relationship with the Pokemon company through my workplace, not in a gaming fashion, but just in a general fashion. And, um, you know, I, I don't exactly speak positively about Pokemon in the first place on here. Uh, but, you know, so so uh, it, that's easy. But I think with the individuals and like what they're involved in and how that kind of comes into play, it's a little harder because you don't really need to s- disclose everybody, you know, kind of thing. It's kind of a weird thing. So I thought it was appropriate um, just to follow up with the uh, uh, company at PC or the people at PC works. Uh, the person who replied to me is Tobias or whatever. And it sounds like maybe Tobias is planning on giving back to me about some further details, but um, uh, I don't really know how much I I wasn't really planning to cover this in the first place, but I wanted to give it like a fair shake just to get their kind of opinion on it. But it more or less came down to like, hey, the fan translation is freely available um, and, you know, I'm going to make one person angry, but I'll make 500 other people happy, essentially, kind of thing. Um, so... Uh, I don't necessarily agree with Tobias and in, in his opinion on that. Um, and and he did make an effort at least to reach out to not Filler, but the other guy involved in the Pia Carrot translation. Again, I don't know anything about the other guy, really, so I don't want to say anything about that. But he apparently did reach out to him and kind of tried to figure something out. Um, so I don't know what came out of that, but basically they did advertise the product without actually making that connection in the first place, right? Um, so I definitely, one of those things that like, I think maybe five years ago, I maybe would have felt differently. And I was like, yeah, it's a freely available fan translation, whatever. And then you're basically, you know, you're the one kind of producing this package around it and making it a thing. But I like, once you, like, I think once, once you get to know somebody or people in that space and you get to like look more into it, you start to become a lot more sympathetic in a lot of ways, which I think, you know, once you're there, it's like, oh, obviously like somebody shouldn't just like steal their garbage and sell it. Right. Garbage, not garbage. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to not call your fan translations garbage, uh, your, 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 your work and sell it. Right. Um, so you don't want to like, obviously it's kind of makes sense, but like, I think sometimes it's just easy to kind of forget that when people are doing reproductions, you don't know anyone involved all you know is in front of you is this copy of whatever with a fan translation on it and somebody packaged it up and is selling it for money kind of thing right so um i do want to say though that like uh, it's one of those things that you uh, i i it's it can be great and so like if i'm gonna sympathize on pcs pce works on anything i do think that that kind of stuff can be gray at times because you know, I run into situations like with my YouTube channel where sometimes I am going to like utilize things people have worked with in the past and kind of like bring that into my stuff. And and to some degree, you know, people view that as ugh, there's technically like, you know, uh, free, was it called free use law? What is it? I'm blanking on the word. Um, you know, where, where, where you basically use something because you're like using it for like a transformative piece kind of thing. So it's like, oh, I use somebody's like near gameplay, but the way I cut it is not like in the same form that they used it. And I will like source that gameplay, but like at the end of the day, it's not something I created, I produced. And I know some people have like harder 
lines on that. I know there's people online that who say like, hey, you do not use my screenshots at all. Like I, I took screenshots of this video game. It was my time that I did it. I bought the hardware. I bought the software. I got like that hardware accurate picture. And this is my hardware accurate picture, right? Um, and I think to, to, to me, at least when I capture games and stuff, it feels very different where I'm like, I'm not the one who created this thing per se. Um, so like, even though I'm the one who invested the time and effort into getting this really nice screenshot of thing, like, I'm just like, yeah, man, do what you want with it. I didn't make the video game. I didn't do the art, whatever. Um, but I think what starts when you're looking at like fan translations and stuff that, that gets a lot more involved and a lot more creative work and all that stuff. So anyways, I just want to say like on my side, I feel like there are definitely things I probably could be, be slapped on the wrist for too. I'm somebody I think who generally uh, tries to be as realistic about myself as possible and and kind of analyze things that I view as bad and then reflect them back onto me and say, well, where does this fit into my life? Does this apply to anything I do? And you can start seeing where like things start to touch, right? It's like, okay, this thing that I did here once, I'm, I'm, I'm scanning and uploading Hunex content onto archive.org and that's just me doing that. Admittedly, I'm not selling it, but, you know, that is just me doing that. And I have no right to do that. Probably. Probably. I don't know the legal side of it, but, you know, preservation, right? So anyways, the, the intention was just to kind of touch on that briefly. But actually, I talked a lot about that. I did record like a bonus podcast on Patreon about that. But in just doing that section, I feel like I just repeated what I said there, unfortunately. So I was going to take this as an opportunity to plug the Patreon and be like, hey, you can go listen to this other podcast where I'm a bit more fully thought or have a bit more thoughts about this. And I feel like I may have covered the majority of items here, unfortunately. But I, I think more than anything, I just want to make sure I talked about that in a public sense rather than locking it behind the Patreon wall. So even though I did it back there um, earlier this week, I just want to make sure I push something out publicly so you know people would be aware of that and also i can disclose the connection there why i didn't cover that story and also all the you know navigate kind of the weird mumbo jumbo of that whole situation right so anyways that's that um so i didn't open up the patreon questions this week actually speaking of patreon um because i'm bad and i and i just did not take the time unfortunately i was a little busy this week um outside of the like me logging into the final fantasy 7 first uh the first soldier uh too late at night usually i, I needed to not do that <laughs> um but i i did go ahead and message the people on my patreon i'm not sure who if people want to be like publicly acknowledged I, I maybe i should make some way to specify that but you know with one of the patreon people are paul daniel paul daniel we've talked about before he's he did the um the fan manual translation for kishin zenki um and battle heat um and and I, I believe a couple other games as well queen of queens i think he also did one for um so he he has done that work and i'll link those pcfx menu translations in the description um but one thing that paul daniel requested not so much of a question but just kind of requested of me was to um look into potentially doing a hunex video right he, he wants to see a video that talks about hunex as a whole and the history of Hunex, which is something that I absolutely want to do, right? Um, and, and kind of the, the, the small problem with that is that, you know, the audience of that is probably going to be me, Paul, and maybe like three other people. So it's not going to be a big video at all in terms of views. But, you know, that's never stopped me, right? I got my Disaster Day of Crisis English comparison video and nobody cares. <laughs> and that's fine. I care. Um, but in the case of, of Hunex, the bigger challenge is doing it right. Because when we talk about the history of Hunex, 
we're talking about a developer who's been around since like 1992, right? So it's 2002. Not 2000, it's 2022. <laughs> I was listening to the Retronauts podcast 2002. That's probably where I got that in my head. Uh, it's 2022. So, you know, it's been like, what, 30 years of Hunex history? And what Hunex has been doing over that time period has changed drastically. They're a different company today. Um, I don't remember if I talked about this uh, publicly at all. But when I went to Japan, I actually um, did reach out to the Hunex uh, staff. And was like, hey, I, <laughs> I'm an asshole on the internet who cares about you guys. Can I come talk to you, basically? I don't remember exactly how I said it, but um, I reached out to them, was like, hey, I just wanted to say I'm going to be out there. I know you guys don't know who I am. I just want to say I have a weird interest in your stuff. Here's the links to some of my stuff. If you want, if you want to talk about some things, I'd be happy to if you if you'd have me. Um, and more or less, they said no. Uh, for a, a couple of reasons, I the the most obvious reason out of everything was they said we don't have anyone on staff who speaks English. I actually am pretty sure they have someone on staff who speaks English, but that's okay. Um, and then I have no idea if like you know if you know they probably actually did not want me there, right? What benefit do they have having this random dude from America come and just start yelling in their office, right? Um, and then also the other part of it was um, the content I did around Hunex was focused on an era where nobody at the company really um, um, was still around. Um, I say that, but when I looked into the CEO of Funex, um, they did have a presence at the company around that era. Uh, what they were doing, I don't remember off the top of my head. But, you know, otherwise, though, they, they don't have anyone around from that time. You know, admittedly, they are a hardcore Otome game company now, or, or at least the tech behind running Otome games and stuff. Make their own Otome games, they pour Otome games, and I'm pretty sure they make an Otome game engines and stuff. So that is that is their business, and it's far past what, you know, everything that happened to them in the, in the, the 90s, right? So, um, actually, like, contacting people and, like, having discussions about that would probably be pretty challenging if you don't know, or at least the general sentiment I hear about, like, Japanese uh, developers and things like that is typically they don't really want to talk about that stuff. I'm not saying that that's not the case, obviously. There's, like, Millennium Kitchen. They talked to Ray Bardholt, um, the guy from there who, who makes the uh, Millennium Kitchen guy, I forget his name, um, makes the, uh, he made Attack of the Friday Monsters. That's the only one that got localized. And I think it's, like, Boku no Natsuri or something like that, the the my summer vacation or whatever it is on the PlayStation, PlayStation Two, and I think PS3 and PSP as well. Um, so, so I'm not saying that it can't happen. People do it, but uh, I would I would question my ability to to arrange that, and then also have a translator, and then also like would we do it online? Would we do it in person? And then the in person part, like the the the, the, the travel part, and then like, what do you even talk to them about, right? <laughs> That's a whole other thing. So I'm not saying that that part that wouldn't happen. That would be the right way to do it is to go and like actually talk to people. But I don't feel like I have the clout to do that. And then also, I don't feel like you know, uh, in a lot of ways, I don't know if Unix matters enough that anyone would care again. Um, so that'd be the hardest way to do it. Um, the the probably easiest way to go about it would be to maybe do something that talks about Hunex and eras. Um, because there are specific eras of Hunex as time goes goes by. And if you split it up into eras, you can kind of tell a general narrative about Hunex through that. Um, the bigger challenge with that 
is just making sure you have accurate information, making sure you're telling like an actual accurate story and you aren't just making a lot of assumptions. Um, and we you know on the English speaking internet, it can be hard to find information about that stuff, right? And then if you go to the Japanese internet, it can be hard to get that stuff accurately translated. So um, that is something that that potentially could do. But I think if we start talking about the history of the company outside of a game design perspective, that gets messy. So then the kind of the last thing that would be like the, the, the like easiest thing to do immediately would basically be to just kind of go over the genres they worked in and then talk about the traits of those genres over the years and again, even that's a little hard because there are so many video games that Hunex put out. So those are kind of like the three tiers of Hunex like coverage I can think of, of like the best way to cover them across the board. That last one probably being the easiest one that I could do within a relatively like normal time span. I would just have to identify particular games that I would at least have to do research on, you know, it, probably not end up playing it. When you get to that middle level, I think you start to worry about like having to do professional translation of text and things like that. And then at that top level, you have to actually network with people, figure that out, navigate a whole other culture. That's a whole other thing. So anyways, um, so I just wanted to talk about that. I I, I didn't uh, prepare or like I said, I didn't have a thing for, for a Patreon question earlier. So this is kind of replacing that. He didn't submit it as a Patreon question, but he just talked to me about it. I was like, I'm going to steal this as a Patreon question. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, but maybe in the future we'll do a Hunex video. Realistically, it would not be in the first six months at least, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's not like I have ever, like, stuck to hard plans, but I don't imagine any time before June, unfortunately. So, there's some stuff I gotta start organizing for this year. I know there's a podcast that I need to figure out, and then there's another project I was thinking about working on with another fellow... And I really needed to find the limits of that project because we talked about it a little bit and there's a very great range of things we can do about it. Um, but if you do, if, might as well just say it's about Final Fantasy XI um, and there's a lot of great things to talk about with Final Fantasy XI. But I think I really need to figure out what I want to do with Final Fantasy XI um, if I talk about it on a podcast or podcasts. So that's something I got to start planning probably the next two or three months, probably, or at least start, start, start forming the mold of it kind of thing. Um, so that's something I got to work on. So anyways, I don't know why I started talking about that. <laughs> oh, because I was talking about not being able to do the Hunex video anytime soon. But anyways, I'll be the first one to let you know if I make a Hunex video, though, just so you're aware, probably. I doubt anyone else would be able to tell you that. Um, but yeah. In terms of game news this week, oh, by the way, if you want to join the Patreon, you can. Like I said earlier, I had that podcast go up early this week, but then I just sit there and was like, oh, I kind of already talked about everything that from that podcast on this podcast. But again, there's a free trial version of the other content that I'm planning on doing. I think right now my plan for the Patreon will be to have one piece of bonus content per week. I'll put out the Patreon question every week. Um, I'm going to guess I'm not going to get a lot of Patreon question responses early on, so they will probably be blank, and that's where we'll fill in that that generic question if we need to. And then the stream game requests, i got to figure out how we're going to do that still. Um, so, as soon as I can. So, anyways, video game news. There's not a lot this week I want to talk about, honestly, with that. Um, there is a rumor this week about Mario Kart 9 being in development, um, the only real nugget of information is that like, Hey, and like the rumors, like a report from like an, uh, uh, analyst saying that they are aware Mario Kart 9 is coming, which, Hey, weird. 
the best selling game on the Nintendo Switch. They're gonna make a sequel to it. Whoa, what? Crazy. Uh, so uh, the, the only real bit of information that that was in there was like, oh, they're gonna have a twist to the game. I feel like that's been kind of the thing with every Mario Kart for a while, though. So it's like weird to specify that because every Mario Kart has had a twist, kind of, except for maybe. No, Mario Kart 8 had zero gravity and everything. But the problem I have with Mario Kart games is that those twists never really amount to much. Sure, it changes like some very small specific thing. You're handling slightly different underwater. You know, you when you have the gravity like wheels, when you bump into each other, you get a boost. Those kind of things. But it's just so minor that I don't really find it to be that um, interesting. And And I feel like Mario Kart, unfortunately, has become kind of like... I don't know, just kind of like very vanilla for me. So, um, yeah, I don't know what I want them to do with Mario Kart. I just need that game to play differently in some way. Um, I talked about it when I played Mario Kart 7, but I did find in revisiting Mario Kart 64, I liked the chaotic nature of Mario Kart 64 um, in a way that felt chaotic and that didn't feel... There's something almost like... I'm, I'm thinking a new thought on on podcast, which is never a good idea. There's something very like structured to the chaos of Mario Kart eight and like our Mario Kart probably double dash and beyond. Maybe we I don't know, but like I feel like modern Mario Kart has like the structured chaos to it and everything that happens you expect to happen. And it feels bad when it happens where I feel like in Mario Kart 64, because of the nature of it being like an early 3D game and being kind of weird and how it beha- behaves the things that happen in that game can surprise you and it can kind of make you laugh and sometimes even if you're you're failing or something right you get like launched off a ledge in a weird way or you get like slammed and like knocked in a weird hole and it's just because of like they've they've bettered how you know geometry works in these games collision works and so there's not weird stuff happening you don't have red shells flying over mountaintops and then dive bombing into a person from the sky in a way that they can't avoid it right um but i think that stuff added like a bit of flavor to the game i really hate to like point back to mario kart 64 because i think that is like a heavy risk of like are we, that's like the danger zone of like reaching into like a nostalgia hole and pulling it out and being like this is the best one and then like a little bit of your childhood comes with it right and like no 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 dust off that ch- get the get the children off this game cartridge just keep this keep this fresh keep this nice so i feel like at least personally i feel like that is something that is separated from my memory of that game from a childhood that is just a modern observation so i feel comfortable saying that that is something mario kart 64 does better than these later games despite me playing a ton of mario kart 64 as a kid so anyways let's avoid all that mario kart 9 not really excited prove it prove prove it to me Nintendo can make really cool racing games. I should make a video about Nintendo racing games because I like them. They're cool. The GameCube alone has a lot of really awesome racing games. Um, it's just, that's just kind of the last era Nintendo tried. Well, I guess on the Wii, they did some stuff too. So, but, but I feel like the GameCube was the last, like we made a racing game for every category of racing game we possibly could basically, um, except for maybe the simulation racer. So Although back then, Nintendo was still doing like pennant chase baseball. So I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in there was like, a, not on the GameCube. What am I thinking? Why am I thinking like there might be an F1 race on the GameCube? I know the GameCube library well enough. I know that Nintendo doesn't have anything like that on there. Don't, 
Don't make up video games, Ben. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, and this is less because of these particular events, but it relates to something I did recently. Um, so the Capcom Cup, I believe eight, and as well as, which is like a fighting game cup, I believe. And then, uh, E3 2022, um, were both canceled for the in-person events for those. They're both going to be online only. So, you know, maybe not too surprising. Things have been getting a little, a little iffy here in recent months. And this, uh, in this January of 2022 after the holidays. Um, but, uh, one thing that, um, this might be relevant to is, uh, last week I did go ahead and submit a panel to Level Up Expo. Um, and Level Up, Level Up Expo is a local ep- expo here in Las Vegas happening at the end of February. So I don't know. So I did submit to that. They have not confirmed I will be there. Um, so th- they said it's not first come first serve. So they're going to pick it based off the quality of the actual content idea, basically. Um, but you know, I haven't heard back yet. I did submit what feels like it's late, but their website says panel submissions are still open. So I'll live with that. Um, but, uh, so that might happen except for, you know, all this other stuff seems to be shutting down as well. The one thing that I think might lean towards me thinking it might not close is when I was looking at their like health and safety guidelines, uh, they don't require like um, a vaccination card or even a test for that day. So depending on like how that venue feels about that, if they're not requiring that stuff, they may just not care. Um, you know, I feel like I've done all I can do to prepare at this point myself, my body for for not being sick with that stuff so so you know if it if it does come where i can do a presentation i'll probably go and do a presentation um you know obviously if things like take a very very worse turn although it's kind of bad right now um but if if there's something that seems to imply that if even if you are are you know protected uh, or not protected, but, you know, resilient <laughs> towards, towards it, um, then, uh, then maybe, then maybe that will change that. But I thought I'd mention it, but at the same time, who knows what will happen basically, right? It's kind of up in the air at the moment. So we will see. Anyways, that's it for this. Thanks for coming. OneControlWorld.com is the website. Um, I, uh, <laughs> so last week I put out a, a, a new featured video. Um, which is about my approach to buying old and retro video games, how I stay positive, how I save money. So if you are interested in that, I went ahead and put that video out. So go ahead and check that out. Um, I accidentally published a second video the day after. I put up a casual review for Cheer We Go. I did not mean to do that. That was not supposed to happen. Uh, So after I noticed it was up, I saw people already watched it. I saw people liked it. There was a comment on it. And I was like, eh, all right. You guys, you guys have fun with that. You can enjoy your cheer we go, I guess. So the cheer we go video is up as well. If you want to go check out that casual review, um, that's a fun little game. Very quick. If you're if you if you're curious about this kind of game for girls and that kind of rhythm space, cheer we go is a great one. Really quick, snappy game you can get through in like two hours. So just you know, pick it up. I think it's fairly affordable too as well. So you know, just pick it up, play through it, be happy, move on with your life. Right. Uh, it's by the developers of the Gabriella's Ghostly Groove. Um, for better, or for worse, this is in some ways a better game, I think, than Gabriella's Ghostly Groove, but it is about cheerleading, so it's a bit more generic, uh, but I think the writing is a little better, um, and I think there's just something about how the game moves is just a bit faster in general, um, 
but I do like the world of Gabriella a lot better. So those two videos went out. And then uh, this upcoming week, we have a casual review for um, Spy Games Elevator uh, Mission coming up here. So you'll see that coming up. And then I should, I need to work. There's a multi-tap podcast I have recorded. I need to edit still. So that's going to be coming up as well. But I got to finish that up first and foremost. I have not worked on the Nintendo G video lately, unfortunately. So anyways, Parasite Eve will be again next week. I don't think we'll finish it next week, although we are approaching the end of the game. Apparently uh, we're on the end of day four and there are six days within the game. So so assuming those last two days are the, the length of the other two days in the um, previous chapters or whatever, then uh, we, we should be getting pretty close to finishing it next time. Those streams have gone a little bit over, um, so it probably would have made more sense to stop a little earlier, but the streams have ended so close towards the end of chapters that I've largely been finishing the chapters for the end. I tried to do that with this week, but then the game glitched out like right as I was at the final boss, and I was like, eh, we'll come back to this next week. We'll shoot this spider next week and get the end of the story and then move on. Um, so we'll see where we're at though. I do need to prepare another stream game. Um, I'm still, because the, I have not really fully figured out how to request stream games on Patreon. Um, I don't know how I'll do that yet. That might be the stream game after the next one, but I will at least open it up. So even if you vote on a stream game, if it's not the next one, it'll be the one after that. So again, if you want to go to the Patreon, you can get a variety of bonus content on there. Um, right now, most of it is free. So if you want to go check that out, you can and see what you're getting into. Um, if you do get in at like the $3 level, you can go ahead and vote on stream games. I'll be trying setting up that. I'm going to set up a process for you submit questions tonight. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Set up a day. It's probably going to be just like a comment thing where you can just submit like a post where you can submit a comment and we'll leave it at that for now because we don't want anything formal, right? So just do that until we have a larger number of people then we can worry about it then if it needs to change. So I'll do that. And then I'll also maybe make a post about requesting games for stream. And then if I get games for the stream request, then we'll, we will figure out how we're going to do that in terms of, of uh, voting on that and all that stuff. So anyways, that's all. OneControlBoard.com is the website. And I hope you have a great week. Bye.